God's Word to us, for us as people. Thank you to our guests for joining us today. We're always delighted uh, to have guests with us. Turn with me, if you will. I invite you to join me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 today. Thursday at our house during the regular school year, and probably like many homes with school-age children, uh, school mornings are full of activity and responsibilities. We have hair that needs to be styled, lunches to be made, there are shoes to put on, and bags to be packed. Of course, the main goal in all of this is to get all the responsibilities done and to get to school on time uh, without putting ourselves into exasperated panic. Now, on this Thursday morning in particular, one of our dear children had a sincere and earnest request. And this was after waking up a bit later than normal. The request was, Dad, could I build my Legos now? It seemed innocent enough, seemed like a reasonable request. And this is one of those moments that, as a parent, you have a few options with how you respond, right? So thankfully, I went with the route of calm and simply asked a question. Now, are you planning to go to school still today? But the question seemed to bewilder the child. So I said, now, right now... Our goal is to focus on getting you to school on time and not overwhelming your parents into a panic while doing so. And the simple reply was, oh, maybe I should go get ready then, which was bewildering to me. (laughs) Of course, this is where we find the disciples here in our passage in Acts 1. They're asking a question with a different focus than the one Jesus wants them to have. Let's go now to Acts chapter 1. We'll read beginning in verse 6, where the Bible says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is the eternal word of the only God. Like you and me, Jesus' disciples had questions. You probably find you have a lot of questions. I know um, our life group leaders experience a lot of questions in their normal responsibilities as life group leaders. But Jesus here in verses 6 and 7 focuses his disciples on his mission. Jesus focuses his disciples on his mission. In verse 6, they're specifically curious about when he would restore the kingdom to Israel. Now, it's not necessarily 
a bad or wrong question. But this isn't what Jesus wanted them to be focused on. Sometimes we can be a little bit hard on the disciples. And here is not one of those times to do that. So let's get our directional setting here with where we're at. We're in, of course, the book of Acts, but Acts is the second volume in Luke's writing. Luke writes the gospel of Luke, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke writes the gospel of Luke, referred to as the first book, if you back up to verse 1 here. And he shows the work and teaching of Jesus. He then writes Acts, think of it as the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. He writes Acts, which shows all that Jesus continued to do in and through believers for the advance of the Gospel and building up of believers. So as you're thinking about what's the overarching theme, what's happening in the book of Luke, there it's showing us all that Jesus is teaching and doing during his time on earth. Then when you go to the sequel of Acts, you still see Jesus and we're seeing all that he is doing and all that he is doing And teaching, doing a teaching through us, the church. And we see it right here with his disciples. A marvelous plan to continue what he has already taught, what he has already done. So remember now, the disciples, where we're at in Acts 1-6, the disciples are on the other side of the crucifixion and resurrection. Those events have happened And as verse 3 tells us, Jesus appeared to many people, including the disciples, over a period of about 40 days. On this occasion in verse 4, he tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Just think of the anticipation the disciples would have at Jesus telling them this. And this is a promise that would be fulfilled just 10 days later at Pentecost, which is our next chapter, chapter 2 of Acts. So looking at verse 6 again, why the question about the kingdom of Israel? Well, remember, they've been hearing Jesus. They've been hearing Jesus speak of the Spirit's coming and the kingdom of God, and they're wondering, is this the time that Jesus would overcome the Roman armies and give Israel its national sovereignty? Remember, before the crucifixion, they thought Jesus was the king to overthrow their Roman oppressors and to give them peace and prosperity as a nation, the nation of Israel again. Well, that didn't happen because he got put on a cross and was cruelly treated. But now he's resurrected and he's back. So he could be this king. So they're actually asking a very natural question. Is this the time when all this is going to happen? And from what they had observed in their time with him, what they had heard him teach, Jesus had the power needed to wipe out Roman control and authority. So they're thinking, Jesus can be the king to restore Israel's national sovereignty. But Jesus responds to their question not with an answer they expected. He tells them the timing is not for them to know. Instead, God the Father knows and has the ultimate authority in the timing of the events of history. But for them right now, they're to have a different focus, a different concern. So that's where we are as we come to verse 6. I know a bit of background, a little bit to follow me through there, and, and I appreciate your good attention. But this is going to set the stage for what we're going to see in verse 8 and then the rest of the entire book of Acts. 
In verse 8, he redirects their focus. He redirects their focus and he says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So Jesus empowers and gives his disciples their mission. We observe this in the very next chapter. As I, as I mentioned, the Holy Spirit comes on them right there at Pentecost. And Jesus continues by telling them not only they're going to receive the power, but the second part, you're going to be my witnesses. Remember, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, is all that Jesus has taught. It's what he has done. Now that's going to continue to go out into the world, not just Jerusalem, not the near vicinities only, but this is going to go to the end of the world. And the ones taking it to the end of the world are the disciples of Jesus Christ. It's his followers. They're going to be his witnesses. That's the word he uses. A witness is one who tells the truth of what they have seen and heard. They don't embellish the facts. They don't state more than what's happened. That's not a true witness. That's somebody who's dishonest, right? A witness is one who tells the truth of what they have seen and heard. They relay the facts of the situation. So being a witness of Jesus then would mean telling others who he was, what he said, and what he did. And it would be telling them of their need to embrace him as Lord and Savior. And this is exactly what we see the disciples doing through the rest of the book of Acts. We see them testifying powerfully and courageously of Jesus in the midst of persecution and obstacles. Now, maybe you're like me, and when somebody's going to tell you a story, you kind of want to know how it finishes. Well, I can tell you, uh, if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, this finishes well. The disciples take this mission from Jesus, and they begin to do exactly what he has told them to do. They start in Jerusalem, and they're sharing all that he has said and all he has done. They're being witnesses to Jesus. And from there, they go out to Judea and Samaria. And we see this later in the book of Acts. And then eventually, we see them going all the way to Rome, which is considered part of most of the known world at that time. So the story ends well. They're faithful with the mission that God has given to them. So we see here specifically Stephen, the deacon, Acts 7. He testifies of the Christian faith from the Old Testament, and they stone him to death for being a witness of Jesus. He's martyred for his faithful gospel proclamation. As we continue in Acts, we come to observe James being killed. The first apostle being killed, Acts 12, and Peter then is imprisoned. And we continue through our book of Acts, and we see the apostle Paul suffer greatly as he witnesses of Jesus. One such instance, he was stoned and left to die. And we see the work of God in allowing him to get up after that, and guess what he continues to do? If you were stoned for witnessing of Jesus, you think that might stop you from continuing to do that. Now, I think the ones who stoned him probably thought the same would happen. But instead, he gets up and he's compelled to take the gospel further. And God uses even those moments of intense pain and suffering and persecution to spread his gospel 
through the world. And that's the testimony of Acts. The work of the Spirit through the witnesses of Jesus, it's astonishing. It's unstoppable. We see Spirit-empowered, bold witnesses of Jesus. We watch the Spirit work through the witness of Jesus' followers. In Acts 6, we find one example where the Bible says, So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, these are very simple ingredients, aren't they? Spirit-empowered followers of Jesus simply obey and focus on the mission of Jesus. And as a result, God's word goes out and people respond to it with faith through repentance. They're coming to Jesus and they're owning their own faith. And as a result, the number of believers of disciples multiplies greatly as the word continues to go. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, this is that Holy Spirit power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, and they began to argue with Stephen, but they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the Spirit by whom he was speaking. Remember Acts 1, verse 8? Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to empower you with the Holy Spirit to then go and be my witnesses. And here's a beautiful illustration of that happening. When opponents of the gospel came, Stephen stands up to them with the truth, God's word, and also empowered by the Spirit. They're not able to overcome him. So he witnesses of Jesus in the power of the Spirit, and many profess faith. It's not Stephen. He's not alone. He's not without help giving witness of Jesus by the strength that he could muster up. It wasn't that he drank a a powerful vegetable smoothie. He had something far greater than that. He has this divine power that God has given to every believer who calls himself a follower of Jesus. Everybody who's a Christian has this same spirit. Every believer has the same power of the spirit to minister for Christ. Let that sink into your understanding as you think about that person that God has burdened your heart to witness to and you're afraid and you're not always sure what to say. Did you notice here in Acts 6 where we find this account in verse 10? They were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. We have the finished word of God. We have the same spirit of God. We have this same power available to us. So we don't shrink back from the opportunities to share the gospel We don't let fear keep us from doing what God has called us to do, to continue to spread his gospel, both here in our city and around the world. Stephen witnessed of Jesus in the power of the Spirit, and we see the spread of the gospel to the world. Now, this picture of being witnesses for Jesus gives us great confidence, doesn't it, and strength 
and stability. And Jesus never mentions results. Did you notice in this passage, Jesus doesn't commission them by by empowering them with the Spirit, telling them they're going to be witnesses of his, and then giving them a quota to fill. There's nothing like that. He tells them, you've got the power of the Spirit, and you've got my directive. Now go and be witnesses of me. And so it is for us as well. We'll give witness and some will embrace Jesus Christ and his gospel. But others will reject, obstruct, argue, and or oppose, won't they? Yet the witnesses of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit continue to witness. We are his children who are his witnesses in the world of him, regardless of how our world responds, regardless of what our world thinks of us. And as we journey through the book of Acts, we see spirit-empowered witnesses spread his gospel to the world. So here Jesus commissions his disciples. They go out faithfully. Many come to him. And those who come to him in faith, then they take this message of the gospel to their communities and their world. And this is how it spreads all throughout the known regions of this time. Acts provides a beautiful display of how the gospel spreads. And here in verse 8, we really have, if you will, if you think about the book of Acts, this is your table of contents for what's in the book of Acts and what's going to happen. Chapters 1 through 7 shows the gospel spreading into Jerusalem. 8 through 12 shows the gospel spreading into Judea and Samaria. 13 through 20 shows the gospel spreading into Asia and Greece. Chapters 21 through 28 shows the gospel spreading throughout Rome. And all this gospel spread occurs because Jesus' disciples follow his very simple, specific plan. Sometimes we are good at making simple things unnecessarily complex. And many times that has happened when it comes to evangelism and missions as well. You see, this passage really isn't that difficult to understand. And and there's a reason for that. Because God has called all his children, not just pastors and teachers, not just elders. He's called all believers, all his disciples, to get focused on his mission. As a result of the disciples being on mission, we see again the word of God and the people of God growing. Acts 2, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Acts 4, but many of those who heard the message believed. Acts 6, so the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 9, And many believed in the Lord. Acts 12, but the word of God spread and multiplied. Acts 19, so the word of the Lord continued to increase. Just to give you a taste of the gospel's spread, of the word of God spreading. Even after Stephen's death, when the church was persecuted by Saul... And believers were scattered. This scattering of believers, like, wouldn't you think that that kind of persecution would stop the gospel's spread? But instead, the exact opposite happens. Believers are scattered about, and this is how the gospel goes down into Samaria. They go because of this persecution. 
and they witness of Jesus wherever they go, Acts 8. His followers faithfully carry at great personal cost and sacrifice this message of Jesus to their world. And it is said that they were so effective in their witness. Listen to this testimony in Acts 17. They turned the world upside down. Their enemies were frustrated. And they actually said, we've got to stop these people. Because they're radically altering our culture. And those who were involved in sinful business practices were saying, this has to stop because they're altering our business model. And because Christians were simply faithful to take the word according to Jesus' prescribed methodology, the gospel spreads, people's lives are changed, and it said they turned the world upside down. So just like his disciples, Jesus wants us to stay focused on his mission of being his witnesses. Don't we so easily get distracted with the stuff of this life? And look, they're legitimate. We have to have a job. We've got to pay the bills. We have desires and responsibilities, family and money and stuff, but they're common distractors for God's people. They become our main focus. And like the disciples, we get distracted by these other things. Instead of making his focus, his mission, our focus and our mission. These can easily become misplaced in our lives and our priorities get out of control. So what is it that you're distracted by today? What has caused you to lose your focus on being a witness of Jesus Christ in our world? It could be something as simple as fear, fear of what people will think, fear of rejection, maybe both. It might be you've allowed yourself the excuse of being too busy, but that's actually a loss of focus, isn't it? I bet what we're focused on is what we give our time, our resources to. So with a restructuring of priorities, we'll see that we can focus on this glorious mission of giving our Savior's gospel of peace. Now, we can discover how we're doing and staying focused on being witnesses of Jesus simply by asking a few diagnostic questions. So here's a couple for you to consider. When was the last time you prayed for unbelievers in your life? People who are without the Lord or you're not sure if they have a relationship with Christ and you have been praying for them. When was the last time that happened? Do you know any unbelievers to pray for consistently? Do you strive to reach unbelievers with the gospel? Is it in your mind? Is it on your heart? Is that a desire you have? Is to see the lost reached with the truth? Have you made any plans to interact with unbelievers in order to witness of Jesus to them? Is it common for you to go through a whole day or even a whole week, and never consider being a witness of Jesus. Just like the disciples, we have to be refocused on the mission and evaluate if we've become too entangled and trapped and snared in the concerns, the stuff of this life, instead of being focused on being his witnesses, as he called us to be. 
Now, as a church family, we're going to have opportunity for this. Over the next few months, we have strategically replaced one of our Sunday evening services each month, June, July, and August, so that you can specifically focus on reaching unbelievers. This will likely look different for many in our church body. It could be that you haven't really done well with this. And so for you, this is a necessary refocus. And you're already thinking, do I even know any unbelievers? Maybe it's time for you to start praying that God would bring to your awareness the unbelievers in your life. Could be a a neighbor, could be a coworker, a family member, a friend, somebody that you regularly interact with and have, have built a relationship with like a sales associate at a store or a server at a restaurant. Could be any number of those things. And remember, just like we see throughout Acts, you're not alone in this. You know, it's okay to admit that you're scared to give verbal gospel witness. I think you'll actually find a lot of friends around here who are in that position or have been in that same position, and they've let fear capture them from doing this mission. It's okay to acknowledge that. That's why you have fellow believers. That's how the beauty of God's design of his family is so that we could be helped in doing all that he has said to us to do. Just like if you had a problem with stealing, go to another believer and say, will you pray with me about this? Like, this has to stop. And with with witness, maybe you need to go to a fellow believer and say, this has to start. It's not even on my mind. It's not on my heart. God talks about it. He commands us to be his witnesses, to proclaim his excellencies, 1 Peter 2. And I'm not doing it. Will you help me? Will you pray with me about this? You have many here in your church family that are eager to help you with this. You have a life group to ask for advice, prayer, and even accountability. And if you need to join a life group, now's a wonderful time to do so. You also have relationships here with those in the church body, whether it's through your community group or through those you sit next to every Sunday as we gather here for the worship service. I think of those in our church body that have been such an encouragement to me as they have faithfully been witnesses of Jesus Christ. Uh, Just a a week or so ago, one of the young men in our church uh, texted the pastors and said, I'm on my way to meet a co-worker for our lunch break to follow up with a question he asked me about what will happen when he dies. Will you pray for me as I give the gospel? And as I share with him what God's word teaches about the security that everyone can have in Jesus Christ. I think about those who've testified of Christ to neighbors and the earnestness and the zeal that you have demonstrated to this body of caring for the souls of those who live right next door to you or across the street. Some of you have purposely built relationships with people that you can drive to and from medical appointments so that you can share the gospel to and from those medical appointments. Others of you have shared how Christ is working, in, or working through you, the Spirit's working in your heart. Christ is working through you to accomplish this gospel witness in the lives of people that you have not interacted with for a very long time and mysteriously have been brought back into your life right? That's God's spirit at work. 
so many of you are already faithful witnesses. And that is just in line with what Scripture teaches in 1 Peter 2. Jesus' followers are his witnesses today. Jesus' followers are his witnesses today. We see in Acts here, Acts 1, this, think of this as the shotgun start to the marathon race. And here you have Jesus commissioning, giving his power through the Holy Spirit for his mission focus. And you have the disciples being faithful to it. Many coming to the Lord and this mission continues still today. And we are the ones to continue it. In 1 Peter 2, the Bible, speaking of Christians, says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies. These are the praises or virtues of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, to proclaim here means to tell. It's to report, it's to make known what is not already known. And as the rest of the verse teaches us, God makes us his children, his special people. But he doesn't leave us where we're at. Instead, he radically changes us, that we would glorify him. And glorifying God encompasses every aspect of our being. Gospel witness isn't just visible witness. This visible witness is what we often think of when we obey all of God's commands and do what he says. And unfortunately, many times we think our witness should stop there. I'm I'm being a good representative of Jesus, and I'm being a witness of Jesus simply in how I act. That is partially true. People see that we don't talk the same way that they talk, that we don't spend our money on certain things. They recognize that the way we spend our weekends, our Sundays, is, is different from what they do. So they see in us a difference. But what 1 Peter 2 is telling us, we go beyond just a visible witness to also a verbal witness. We proclaim the glories, the excellencies, the praises of the one who's called us from darkness. So it is our words, our attitudes, our thoughts, and our actions all lived in submission to him. And it's also our words to tell of him. So how are you doing in being a witness of Jesus? Are you proclaiming the praises of God through both a visible witness and also a verbal witness? Are you following his command? Not just in your everyday choices, but in verbally sharing his gospel in seeing others know the truth about Jesus and live that out as well. This even includes those in your home, parents and grandparents. You have a unique opportunity to be evangelizing in your own home with your children. To teach them of the goodness and the greatness of God and his glorious gospel for your children as well. And this is immensely encouraging to those of you who've already been so faithful in giving the gospel. You've taken this command, you've seen in scripture God's good working through his people You know what he's done in your life and you want others to experience this glorious gospel of peace. I find that for me personally to be the greatest motivator in giving the gospel 
and simply being aware, how could I not want to share all the joys and the glories that God gives to his people, those who are his children? How could I keep that to myself? What propels and compels me to share his gospel is what Jesus has done in my own heart and life. And how he continues to work out that salvation, transforming me day by day. Uh, it's, it's actually a relief to be able to say to somebody who says that all you Christians are hypocrites, you're right, I'm raising my hand first. But the good news of the gospel is that I am forgiven. And it provides me a clear pathway to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So for those of you already sharing Jesus, you've already planned and you've prepared. Another one of our young men was talking with me just last week, sharing how he has already thought through how he's going to share the gospel with one of his friends who's believing false teaching. And he asked me to pray with him for boldness, for courage, for discernment in that conversation and the many to follow. Some of you are already thinking and obeying. You're already following this pattern we see here in Acts. But for others of you, it has been too long since you verbally shared, since you even thought or prayed for an unbeliever. Somebody without Christ. And you have this glorious gospel. It's been deposited to you. And now you're to take this deposit and give it to another by sharing with them God's truth, giving them the gospel. So for you, where you need to begin is confession. Confess your sin of failing to follow God's command, of failing to share his truth. Confess your sin of not caring about souls like he does. And then commit yourself. Don't wallow in shame and guilt. And then move forward in commitment. Asking God to open your eyes. I, I find for most people, they have many opportunities to share the gospel. And they're just not cognizant of them. They don't walk around with an awareness of, these people may not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Just that very little, that just that slight thing of, of recognizing, I don't know where this person will spend eternity. And giving your time to praying for them and then seeking a way to speak with them about their need of Jesus. That's where your commitment needs to lie. And again, gather in God's people right here in the church body. You know, I, I was thinking about this as I was looking at the book of Acts and you consider these are the last words of Jesus to his disciples. Of all the things Jesus could have said to his disciples before he returns uh, to heaven. Last time on earth until the second coming. So these are the, his last words. What could he have said? What could he have told them? They're concerned about the kingdom of Israel being restored. And he says, no, that's not where you're supposed to be focused. You're supposed to be focused on being my witnesses with the power I've given to you. That's instructive for us. Those are his last words to his followers. And those are his words to us. So as you consider a new week, as you think about those in your sphere of influence, think of neighbors, think of friends, think of those you graduated with that, that maybe don't know Jesus Christ and just reaching back out to them, connecting with them would provide you an avenue for relationship 
and for verbal gospel witness. As you've seen, just think of how God could change our neighborhoods, our city, our area with our faithful, our faithful witness of him. It's easy to complain about the exploding population around here and the nonstop construction. But would you for a moment or the rest of your life take this gospel focus? And as you see that construction and as you pass it and when you're ready to foam at the mouth instead, take a moment and pray, Lord, how could I take the gospel to the people who will live there? Lord, how can I take this glorious gospel of peace, who Jesus Christ is and what he has done? How can I take the reality that Jesus Christ came to earth, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross for people's sins, and he rose again so that by repenting of sins and believing in him, people will not suffer God's wrath, but instead will be forgiven, accepted, and saved from their sins. Help me to take that to the new construction and to be aware as I'm interacting in the community in different ways. They've moved here and they maybe have never heard of him. God sends you as his followers, as his disciples. He sends us. And I want you to consider for a moment how we could turn our area upside down with the gospel. The beauty of this is Jesus doesn't call us to results. He calls us to empowered gospel witness. Isn't that securing? Isn't that freeing? He doesn't call me to change people's hearts. He does that work through the power of his spirit. And the world can be turned upside down simply by his people focusing on his mission and with the power of the Spirit, bearing witness of his glorious gospel. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Let's go now to God in prayer. Our Lord God, we marvel that you've given to us Jesus Christ. That you have transformed our lives with this glorious gospel of peace. We confess we've been unfaithful to share it like we should. 